0: Hello everybody, it is the international break, and because your thoughts are clearly always with Fulham, we decided to throw in an extra special pod, because we are joined by Simon Duke, who's the chair of the Fulham Supporters Trust, and we're going to be talking about many things, the work of the FST, why we should back them generally, and also the affordable Fulham campaign that is going to be coming up shortly, because looking at my seat... Apparently, for the Manchester United game, that's worth £77. I don't think I'd be able to afford that if I didn't have a season ticket, but that's what we're going to discuss. So you don't just have to listen to me. We're joined by the boss man himself, Danny Smith, and of course, Simon Duke. So gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for spending your afternoon with us here on the show. How are you doing, Simon?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks,
0: Matt. You? Huh, not too bad. Danny, you well?
1: Hello, mate. Yeah, no, I'm all good. Thanks. Thanks to Simon as well for for joining us. Pleasure to have you on the show, and thank you for contacting uh, me and, and Fulham Focus and asking for our support with this because it's a it's a very relevant and important topic. And you know you fully have our backing.
0: Let's start at the beginning. Let's let's introduce you a bit, Simon. Why Fulham? What's what's your excuse for your affliction? Well,
2: F- why Fulham? Fulham. Runs in my family. My family hail from Putney. um, And I first went to Fulham in 1962 with my late grandfather. Um, And in my family, you're either black and white or you're blue. And I'm pleased to say I landed on the black and white side of the family. So my father, my grandfather were Fulham supporters. My daughters are both Fulham supporters of sorts, although one sadly is married to a Chelsea supporter and one sadly married to a Manchester United supporter. But we get around that. They're, they're they're good guys, and we have some good chats about football. So it, it's really a, it's really a family thing, and I I think that is common to Fulham. A lot of Fulham supporters are generational. It's father to son to grandson, and we don't want to lose that.
0: I think that's that's important. You know, my my daughter has followed my affliction in coming along as well. To be fair, I think that's mainly Tom Kearney. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how long that lasts. But I, I guess to follow that up, really, we had we had Tom Greatrix on when we were doing our uh, tribute to to Chairman Mo a little while ago. So we sort of heard about how the Back to the Cottage became the Fulham Supporters Trust. And I guess the, the extension to that is how did your dealings with the, the trust come in and how did you get, you know, the hospital pass to be in the hot seat?
2: The hospital pastor being the hot seat is probably the easiest bit to answer. Tom asked me if I wouldn't mind taking over from him. One (laughs) you told me quite what was in store, but maybe you didn't know what was going to come in my first year. He's a Um, he's a
0: politician. Always be always be worried about it.
2: Yeah, well there we go. But no, it's a pleasure to to try and lead the trust uh, effectively, which I I hope I'm doing. It's not been an easy start. Um, How did I get involved? Well, I I knew one or two people on the trust board. I retired just over four years ago and was looking for things that would fill my time, would allow me to give something back that I didn't really want paying for. And and this was one opportunity that that came up. So here I am. I joined the board just over three years ago. Um, I was secretary for a couple of years and now I've taken the chair.
0: So I guess that, the obvious question to ask really for for the people that aren't overly aware of what the trust does, what do you do with your interactions in the club? What is the, the sort of role of the, the FST day to day?
2: Okay, the, the role of the FST is in, in my language, I view it as being the, the bridge between the fan base and the club. We have access to the club at very senior levels on a monthly basis under the terms of a memorandum of understanding, which sets out the rights and responsibilities of both parties. Um, And we are free to discuss anything with the club, other than playing matters. Um, Quite rightly, they don't expect us to go in there and tell them who to sign, who to sell, who should be manager. So playing matters are generally off limits. But other than that, we have access to the rest of the club, as it were, from the chief executive downwards. Our monthly meetings, um, for those of your listeners who are trust members will know we come out once a month with an email that says anything you'd like to discuss. And we get replies. Some of the things are unique to one individual. So we would just take those away and deal with those with the club on a one-to-one basis. But where there's common themes or themes we think will be of interest to our members more generally, we will take those to the club. We would discuss them. The club will have the right people there. So if it's ground, they will have somebody to deal with the ground. If it's ticketing, somebody to deal with ticketing. And we try and find solutions to problems. Not always easy, but we do our best.
0: But one of the things that does spring to mind was the discussions at the AGM last year around access in the, the hammy end and, yeah. and the discussions with the security on that. Yeah. That did have positive outcome with the additional steps, which has made things a little bit better. It's still, still a ways to go, I think, when I'm trying to get my beer at halftime. But yeah. it's, um, it's those sorts of things that you can help push forward to, to yeah, help see the club the other side.
2: The grounds, unfortunately, we're very fortunate to have the ground we've got. For me, it is a proper old football ground. Um, much better than some of these modern purpose-built stadiums that that can, to a certain extent, be soulless. Craven Cottage has great character. It has a great location. It has a great history. But with that, unfortunately, comes um, great historical buildings, and they are not easy to deal with. The new Riverside Stand, which no doubt we'll talk about a bit later, is, is a fantastic asset to have. But people go there because of, of what Fulham is. It's by the park. People will say that the walk to Craven Cottage is amongst the best walks, if not the best walk in football. Off the tube at Putney Bridge, through Bishop's Park, it's it's fantastic. But the infrastructure of the ground is such that it's very difficult to do things with. I mean, one of the biggest complaints is, is the toilets. And, oh, it would be that easy to bulldoze them and start again, but it is just not that simple. And we, we have to accept that, you know, whatever we might want, short of having a brand new ground built somewhere, we're always going to have to put up with some of the antiquities of the ground.
0: When these items are raised, what what are those conversations like? Because as you know, as an FSC supporter, we, we we see the minutes, and <laughs> one always tries to read between the lines a little bit, a bit of, of minutes. But yeah, you know, what, what what are those meetings like? Because I, I assume you sort of bring a the the set agenda you, you you work your way through the agenda you minute it and you you yeah, you come we, out with some actions
2: we set we set the agenda i mean the, the way it works is we we have a, an obligation under the member of understanding to get the uh, the agenda to the club see the 48 or 72 hours before the meeting so typically the fst board will meet on the first tuesday of the month the club meeting will be the second wednesday of the month so at our board meeting we will gather our thoughts as a board as to what we need to raise with the club. We will also, by then, have had some email responses from supporters with some ideas. We will select four people to attend the club meeting. I try to go to every one just for some continuity, but other than that, we we try and rotate who's going to be there, quite often driven by what's on the agenda, the responsibilities of our board members to, to look after certain areas, plus, of course, availability, because a lot of our board are still working we will then draw up the agenda and get it to the club. That gives the club time to make sure they have the right people at the meeting and they know what we're going to discuss because I've been at meetings where things have got raised and the club say, Oh, okay, we'll have to take that away and come back to you. Well, that then you either have to rely on email correspondence outside the meeting or you're waiting another month for a response. So we try not to have any secrets in the questions we're going to ask just so the club can come prepared with the right people and hopefully some answers. How are the meetings? Every so often, there's something that we, we can't agree on, um, but generally speaking, they're professional and cordial.
0: During your time working with the FST, the the, the new ownership that came in after Muhammad Al-Fayed, it's, it's been interesting times, it's been up, it's been down, but on the whole, other than the the, the subject we're gonna to come to in a second, the openness of the club that you can feel that filtering down from ownership. Can you that it, that, that there is a need to engage with, with the fans on this.
2: There's thing. definitely a need to engage with the fans. And as I'm sure you're probably aware with the results of the, uh, independent fan led review of football, there are changes afoot. I mean, the club have already published their fan engagement plan. Um, and within that is included plans for a fan advisory board. Uh, the, the fan advisory board, as we speak, that will run in parallel with what we are doing. So we will continue to have our monthly meetings with the club. A fan advisory board will be formed, which will try to bring together even more types of supporter group, because in addition to the supporters trust, there's also the Disabled Supporters Association. There's the Forum mm-hmm. Lilies, which is the women's yep. group that's that's recently formed. But it's important the club here, you know, one One area where we're not particularly well represented, certainly on our board, is the younger people. Our board, as you might expect, has got an age profile of, I guess, 30 to 70. We get no representation. It's a democratic process. elections are coming up, but it would be nice to have some younger blood on the board to give us the views of the younger people. You know, those we've got there now, um, and myself included, you know, if we're going to correspond with people... We'll send out an email newsletter or something like that. There are far better ways of communicating these days, but we don't have the younger people on our board to help us do that. So we're always on the lookout to have a good spread by way of age, by way of ethnicity, by way of diversity. It's important that we represent all parts of the Fulham family.
0: And I think that's a good shout out to get to any of our listeners who are who are wanting to get more involved in, I use yeah, I'm doing air quotes here, dear listener. The, the workings of the club or the workings with the club, and I think that's that's an important thing as as a member of FST, yeah. And I, and I think
2: talking, talking around, I think you will find that our dialogue with the club is a lot better than a number of other clubs have, and, and I'm, I'm talking here not only about the Premier League but the Championship leagues one and two. I mean, one of the criticisms we often get thrown at us is, is people don't think we achieve very much. That might be true, but rest assured, we do press the club very hard on a number of issues. And, and you mentioned the slight improvements at the Hammersmith end, which we've heard have made a difference. Um, you know, things could always be better, but it's a good place to start. But actually, discussions about steps such as have just been put in, I'm told, began, I think, about 2018. So long before my time on the board. So sometimes these things take a while.
0: So one of the the big things that we've happily joined in with as well is the Affordable Film campaign that is going to be kicking off. Yeah. Well, it has it has kicked off with with ourselves and and the the other the other fan podcasts. Yeah. You mentioned Fulham Lilies are involved, Fulhamish, yeah. um, the, the guys in the states and and elsewhere, which is which is great to see that unanimous backing, but. Let's let's frame it. What is the issue that has been raised around ticket prices that has kicked all this off?
2: Let's go back. Up. Affordable Fulham actually started earlier this year when season ticket prices were published, and season ticket prices this season went up. And I'm going to talk ballpark here, eighteen percent. Now we had been engaging with the club probably from about this time last year to to counsel against dramatic ticket price rises. To be fair to the club, if you go back to the early 2000s when we moved back to the Cottage, their their pricing has not been unreasonable. Um, And up until three, four years ago, you couldn't really complain at the way season tickets were priced. We we can always moan it's gone up this year, but in the scheme of things, it wasn't unreasonable. But we've recently seen more considerable increases in price. And, And what concerns us is, We've noticed over the last few seasons that when season ticket renewal prices come out, the club set two prices. There's a price to renew your season ticket and there's a higher price if you want to become a season ticket holder for the first time. Now, if you become a season ticket holder for the first time this season, then you're going to be paying considerably more than somebody who's renewing. Historically, over the last few years, the price for a new season ticket in the current season becomes the opening renewal price for people renewing the following season. Now, if that were to happen for the 24-25 season, we will have seen increases of something like 66% over three years. And by any stretch of the imagination, we don't think that is reasonable. Now, Fulham being Fulham, they are attractive to watch, certainly when they're in the Premier League. And we have always said, we have no doubts that they will continue to sell season tickets and matchday tickets. And I should add matchday tickets now as they're releasing the pricing, because Fulham only release matchday ticket pricing on a game by game basis. They price the demand. But the price increases on matchday tickets, uh, really brought about by the, the Manchester United issue, are again up about 18%. So at least they're being consistent across the board for season ticket holders and general matchday ticket sales up 18% it's getting to the point where it's not affordable for some people. Now, we accept as a trust board that they're going to sell these tickets, that the demand is there. Whilst we're doing reasonably well in the Premier League and whilst we stay in the Premier League, people will buy these tickets. But the question we have is, are they going to the right people? We, we spoke at the beginning about the generational nature of Fulham support but we're now finding increasingly away supporters getting hold of tickets in home areas, tourists there for the one-off. And indeed, if you look at recent games where the club say all tickets are sold and you then look at the space at Craydon Cottage when the game actually takes place, there are clearly some people who have tickets who are not attending every game. Now, we, we don't know why, but you can surmise that might be because... They want a season ticket and they only want to go and see the big teams. So they're not really Fulham supporters. Um, it might be that they are people who buy them thinking they can sell them on at a profit and not been able to sell them. There's a reason why there is a difference between the number of people who actually attend a game and the fact that the game is sold out. Now, if you wind forward, this this is Fulham, and I don't like being negative, but I'm afraid I'm going to be. that. There is no doubt that at some time, We will either have a period in which we struggle or we may, God forbid, get relegated. When that happens, what will our fan base look like? Will these tourists to London, these people who buy season tickets to perhaps sell them on, will they still find championship football as interesting? The club themselves probably, well, definitely wouldn't be able to charge Premier League prices for championship games. And they, you know, you could then look around and say, well, where have all the fans gone? Well, the fans have gone because those who you want to keep as a sustainable fan base through good times and bad have been priced out.
0: Danny, I want to bring you in here just on that fear of being priced out. What what are, what are your thoughts on it?
1: Clubs like Fulham will always depend upon families passing it down the generations and engaging with the next generation coming through because if you don't do that They will go off and support other clubs. It's all well and good saying that you can sell the the tickets for a higher price because you can, but that one off fan doesn't have any loyalty to the club. So I think loyalty works both ways. Simon uh, made the point of saying that until the last three or four years, prices were reasonably fair, but it's only the last couple of years where we seem to have finally found our feet and seem to be making better decisions with recruitment, having a settled team, settled manager. And now we look like we have a future in the Premier League. That future should not be without the fans that have stood by the club through those relegations, yo-yoing up and down. And I don't think anyone here is sitting here asking the club to get the violin out. Oh, poor me. I want free tickets. We just want a fair price. If a, if a fan is willing and able to pay a fair price for a ticket, then they should have that opportunity to to do that. They shouldn't feel like they're competing with the tourists that, let's be honest, aren't going to watch Fulham play. They're going to to see a Premier League game or they're going to support Man United in the the Fulham end. And we are already seeing that the atmosphere around the ground is, is diluted from what it was maybe 10 years ago. And that's because, I don't think we have as many genuine fans in the ground as we used to. I personally come from the other side of London, grew up in South East London, should have been a Millwall fan, could have been a Man United fan because of my dad. But because Fulham was in the bottom division uh, and my mum could afford to take me, I had the opportunity to go and, and I fell in love with the club. I had no reason to support Fulham other than family. But I know that had my mum not been able to afford to take me, would I have supported Fulham, knowing that most people in my primary school class supported other clubs? It would have been easy to support Man United. And and I fear that's probably the route I would have gone down had I not been part of it. And, and that's the whole point, isn't it? We, we, you know, Fulham is our football club and we're all part of it. I love the fact that we're not a massive club we're not just a number every fan is part of that fulham family no matter what age you are surely you care about the long-term future of fulham and handing on the baton to the next generation
0: so to to play devil's advocate here there is the argument saying that a tourist fan brings in much needed revenue in an incredibly um, increasingly polarised league. Um, that all goes into the club. That all goes into the coffers for January and the summer. And they're like, so what really is the problem with having these tourists coming in paying high prices?
2: Well, the, the problem is, Matt, where, where would they be if if we were, God forbid, relegated a division or a couple of divisions? It, it wouldn't be the same attractive proposition.
0: But the cottage is fantastic. You walk through the park. It's, oh, no. it's, it's crack, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but I don't... <laughs> You, you, i'm just trying to
0: fire in the questions no, we're gonna no, get no, if let's, we don't
2: <laughs> let's, go, let's let's go back a step i think as a club um if you go back to the late 90s from the late 90s onwards we've been very fortunate in that we've only had two owners and to me two good owners two owners who have bankrolled the club because it is still losing money who have supported various managers through that period and given fans some some great times there's been some some downs as well, of course the the yo-yo seasons, but generally speaking, as a Fulham fan since the late nineties you've got to be reasonably happy with what you've seen um, and I know in the Kahn family and, and this this isn't this isn't an attack at our owners. I, I want to make that clear the the owners have shown their commitment to the club, certainly financially when you look at that new stand going up, you know that has been built with their money, and we should be very grateful for it. However, the club are misreading how they should price their tickets. And and if you, I don't really want to get into the detail because it becomes very subjective, but if you look at the amount of revenue that's being earned from charging more than we would wish to see on match day and season tickets, and, and Danny's right, you know, we don't mind paying a reasonable price, but some of the increases we've seen are are not that reasonable. But if you look at the increased revenue it almost pales into insignificance when you look at the, the money coming in from things like sponsorship, from TV money. You know, it, it's not it's not a particularly big number, but it is a big number when you've got a club that's running in a financial deficit. And this is the issue. We've got a club that wants to be financially sustainable. And if you want to be financially sustainable, you look at everything. You start by counting the paperclips and you go from there. We're, we're also not really a selling club. Um, before we came on air, we were talking about Brighton as as, a, as an example of a, a well-run club, and they are, and they have this ability to find players. They they have a tremendous scouting network. They find these players, they turn them over very quickly, and they get big money for them. But, you know, Fulham aren't really a selling club. We we only sell when when we feel we need to, and that's normally when players perhaps aren't performing at the level they were before, or they they don't particularly want to be there anymore. So we're not being forced into selling. And of course you could say, well, all right, if you want cheaper tickets, we'll have to sell more players. But I don't think it's as simple as that.
0: Is is the Brentford comparison one that's worthwhile? Sim, sim, similar size club, one that has made a point of not hiking the ticket prices up too much. Is that something that we could draw a line with? Not that we want to give them too much I
2: don't, praise I don't really but... want to go down the road of being compared to, to Brentford. <laughs>
0: <laughs> from from <laughs> well, a purely well, business perspective. who
2: are listening, you know, this, this is Fulham we're talking about. Yeah. No, I think it, it is a difficult one. I, I can understand, you know, at a personal level, both sides of the equation. You've got a business that's running at a loss that needs to drive in as much income. But you've then got, you know, football is, football is different. You, you need the bit of loyalty from your fan base. And, and when the Khan's bought the club back in 2013, 14, whenever it was, you know, they, they, they said, and they're right, you know, they are, they are custodians. Mohamed Al-Fayed was custodians of the club for the fans of the future. Now, if you want the fans of the future, you're only going to build a sustainable fan base with reasonable ticket pricing. You're not going to build a sustainable fan base by getting every last penny by selling tickets to people who, on another day, might not be interested in coming to Fulham. That is different to being a custodian for the club. So if that's what the club feel they need to do, then then let them tell us, for these reasons, we've got to price like this, but not then claim that we are looking after the club for the fans of the future. And I, I do honestly believe that They want to look after the club for the fans of the future. The the commitment to the ground, the playing staff and everything is is quite significant. And, you know, I think we should be grateful. When you see some of the problems other clubs have, take Everton in the Premier League as an example. You know, I think we're very fortunate that, that we have owners who have supported the club financially. But generally speaking, allowed the club then to get on with running
1: itself. Like we said, this campaign is not an attack on the owners. It's to make them realise that they need the fans. You know, as much as we need an owner that's going to bankroll the club, the club mean nothing without the fans. If they want to be a sustainable club, ticket pricing is such a, a small percentage of the income the club makes, particularly being an established Premier League club, which is what they want to become. It's all well and good saying that the club wrote off a lot of the losses you spend a hundred million on players and most of them saw out their contracts at the club and left for nothing then there's got to be accountability in that as well you know it has got to be a balance i think with inflation and with progress and success of course prices will go up you're going to charge more in the premier league than you were in a championship but you can't alienate your fan base just because the club loses money if you are losing money, you've got to look at why you're losing money and it's certainly not because of the fans.
2: you're right, Daddy. Although I would say the you know, we're not here to discuss playing matters. That's something the trusts do not discuss with the club under a memorandum of understanding is we we don't go in and say who should be picked and who should be bought and who should be sold. That's that's off limits. But if you go back to losses, the the, the ownership family have been very good at capitalising losses introducing more funds so they've they've taken the pain of shall we say transfers that didn't quite work out how we would have liked them to so I don't think it's directly because of that prices are going up I think it's more that that they can charge that and get away with it because you know the trust are under no illusions these tickets will sell we we knew when the season ticket prices were published and there was outcry about 18% increases on the back of the season we had last year people would fight tooth and nail to make sure they could afford to pay the prices being asked for this season. And if you speak to the club, they will tell you that the attrition rate on season ticket renewals was no different to any other year. So people found a way of buying their ticket. But if they go up by that much again next year, there will be some who generally can't. I think think we've, we've reached a tipping point now where... Maybe in previous seasons we've been fortunate to be not quite as expensive as some other Premier League clubs, the likes of Brighton or Crystal Palace. I think we've now caught up and overtaken. And therefore, an argument that says, well, we're just going to bring you in line with the rest of the Premier League won't hold that much water. What's interesting is the reaction we've had. I mean, one other thing the Trust do, you asked what the Trust do, Matt. One one other thing we do is we represent the Fulham fan base on the National Councils for the Football Supporters Association which is the umbrella organisation for all trusts such as ours and we've had a number of very very supportive emails from colleagues in other trusts wishing us luck with this endeavour because this is not this is not per se a Fulham problem this is a problem in football generally it just so happens that we feel the need to escalate our concerns perhaps before some other clubs do. And I suspect some others might start to raise their concerns on the back of what we're doing. I know Tottenham already have have done some protesting at their new ground. I mean, their, their issue was more match ticket pricing than season ticket pricing because that was frozen. But there is a feeling amongst fans of all clubs that football pricing has got out of control.
0: And I think that's a good way to segue into what the plan is for the Manchester United game. And it is sold out, the, the club announced um, a little while ago. Um, for those unaware, I think we should recap that this is an A-plus game, which means that I think the, the seats in the premium section of the Riverside are about £160 pounds, um, for a single seat. And concessions are, are, are not really there either. So, Simon, what is... What is the approach that's being taken for the Man U game, which is our next home just, game? Before I do events. that, Matt, it's
2: perhaps worth just spending a moment talking about the Riverside stand because
0: yeah, sure. um,
2: it's not without its problems, as we all know. Um, hopefully we'll see it completed and fully open for next season when we'll be able to appreciate and understand just how good it is. Um, but until then, the jury's out because it's been a long time in delivery. But in some respects, when we were talking as a trust board about pricing earlier in the year, we, we tended to put the Riverside stand to one side because it is a trophy asset. It it, it can attract premium pricing, but our, our gripe, if you like, with the club is fine. If, if people pay that to go in the Riverside, that's fine, but you've got to make football affordable in other parts of the ground. So, so long as... Everybody who would like to go can afford to go and have a seat. Even that's tucked away in the back corner of the Hammersmith End because that's all you can afford. But so long as it's reasonable, you can't expect that sort of person to pay for the riverside. I mean, £162 of the riverside, we believe, is the most expensive general sale seat in the country, if not larger parts of the world. We, we, we don't know. It's always difficult to compare light with light. But it is eye-watering. And what will be interesting at the Manchester United game, is to just have a look around and see in the home areas how many away fans there
1: are. I was at the the Tottenham game in in the Cup. When um, Tete scored the the final penalty and we knew we'd won, it was incredible how quickly the Johnny Ains stand emptied. It was ridiculous how many Tottenham fans were around us. See, to me, I don't really care about the £160 in the the Riverside stand because I'm never going to go in the Riverside stand. So it has to be fair across the board. Obviously, when you're playing Man United, you know that's an A-band game. That's going to be more expensive than when you play Sheffield United. We know that's going to happen. We know that the Riverside stand is going to be more expensive than it is in the Hamien. But every single seat against every single opponent accordingly should be fair. And that is the key. We're not saying that the Sheffield United game should be priced the same as the Man United game. And I don't think a genuine fan is going to pick and choose Well, I see Man United play they're going to go when they can I mean you know I work weekends a lot of the time so in the past it's been really difficult for me to go to every single game religiously so when I can't go my mum and take my kids for me so they never miss out yeah. but if I didn't have you know family support there would be no financial benefit to me having a season ticket because because without me my kids can't go I would have been in a position where I probably would have been a member and I would have gone as and when I could. But seeing these prices for individual match days, I wouldn't have been able to buy family tickets for one day. It's not as straightforward as saying, well, you want to go to the Man United games, but you don't want to go to the Sheffield United games. Fans will go as and when they can because they want to go and see Fulham. If the prices aren't fair across the board, then they'll never be able to go.
2: Yeah, that's all about a sustainable fan base. It's about having the right people occupying those seats. But to, to go back to the United game, there will be... Um, and Don't get me wrong, I have every sympathy with the club in the difficulties of trying to track where tickets end up. You know,
0: it's... It's not not a problem unique to us.
2: No, I, I think everybody, everybody knows that. But what, what will be interesting is to see how many United supporters there are in home areas, because what that means... I think I'm right that the United tickets home areas sold out when they were under membership sale only. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty certain that's the case. So that means that every ticket that was sold, be it a season ticket or a matchday ticket, was bought by a Fulham fan. The number of United supporters who then get hold of them will tell you how many Fulham fans then, for whatever reason, can't go they presumably sold them on at a profit. Um, there will be some in there. I mean, there, there are no doubt United fans who buy membership at London clubs so they can get a ticket. So they'll view the cost of buying membership at Fulham, at Chelsea, at Tottenham, at Arsenal worth it to then get a matchday ticket, which means they can see their team in London and not have to pay the cost of travelling to Old Trafford and what have you. There, there's, there's, there must be some of that goes on. And, of course, it's it's a postcode lottery. If you've got a United fan living in London with a London postcode, you're never going to wheedle them out as a United fan. I know the club try to by looking at previous booking histories and what have you, but there is no doubt there are home tickets that, for whatever reason, find their way into the hands of away fans. And we could do a whole other podcast on away fans in home areas.
0: So let let's let's get on to what's going to happen on the fourth of November, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so, so
2: fourth of November, yeah, the fourth of November. And let me make it clear: this is we want this to be peaceful, respectful. It's just a way of increasing the level of disappointment awareness around ticket pricing. So we're going to assemble in in Bishop's Park. There are tea rooms, which most people will know by the skate park. We're going to assemble there from 11 o'clock onwards. And about 11.30, we're going to take a slow walk down Stephenie's Road, which by that time will be closed to traffic because it's match day. And somewhere near the ground, we will stop with some banners for a photo opportunity with the hope that with the, the goodwill of our friends in the social media and the national media, that we can get some exposure for the level of concern we have at ticket pricing. We will then disperse. And we are arranging to have printed several thousand yellow cards which will be distributed at the turnstiles. Um and these are for people to hold up in the eighteenth minute, just as a further sign of, of our disappointment, and at a time when the game is televised, so hopefully it will get some exposure. There's two things I would say. We've changed the timing of the yellow cards out of respect for the Remembrance Day actions that will be taken before the kickoff. We were originally going to do it before kickoff, but that's not appropriate, but we also didn't feel we should defer it. So out of respect of the Remembrance Day commemoration, we've moved it to the 18th minute. And that's partly because we, we don't want to lose momentum. It's quite a while till our next home game, which I think is Wolves at the end of November. So we need to keep this moving. And this is just to show that we're not happy. Hopefully, you're, you're going to ask me, what do you expect to get from it? Well, hopefully we can engage in dialogue with the club around the question of, ticket pricing. If we were able to get them to give some kind of concession for the rest of the season that would be fantastic but I have to be honest and say this is more about trying to get some meaningful dialogue around prices for the 24-25 season and some commitment from the club that we can share with people ahead of that just to show that the club have listened to us understand the concerns of the fan base. So, so we're really looking to at do something about meaningful it.
0: dialogue to affect medium, long-term viability.
2: I think that's all That's all we can hope for. This year's season tickets have gone. They've been sold. Match day tickets, we've now probably seen the range from A-plus down to, we think, Chelsea and Brentford, which were priced the same, or Category B. There might be one slightly cheaper game, but, but generally speaking, I think we now know that prices this year are up on average 18%. That, for fans, is not sustainable
0: it's not sustainable for me at the rate things are going and i'm in a more fortunate position than than many so i i'm aware of it and we are discussing those prices just mainly because of those jumps that you said which are quite clear clear to see
2: yeah and and i think matt there are a lot of people i'm i'm in the same category as you i can if prices went to an unreasonable level i could still afford it but first question is would i want to and, you know, going kind to of Fulham for 60 plus years, it would be very hard to stop going. But secondly, you know, as as fans, we have a duty to stick together. And, and it's very pleasing to way the rest of football is coming together with us. It's important that we get this message across collectively, because as I said earlier, this isn't a problem that's unique to Fulham. It's just manifested itself in Fulham fans thinking we need to do a little bit more, perhaps sooner than other clubs. And maybe if every club started to have gatherings before games, with home and away supporters mixing to express their displeasure, football might sit up and take
0: notice. Well, what is the best way somebody could support the Fulham Supporters Trust beyond the action that's going to take place at the November fourth game?
2: Well, there's, 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 there's two ways. One is is to come and join us on the on the fourth of November. Uh, that that's the obvious one. The second is to join the Trust. The Trust has about a 1,000 members, which in a lot of respects pales into insignificance when we look at people like yourselves and Fulhamish and the number of followers you have. Um, and, And quite often when we take things to the club, we're asked how representative we are of the fan base. So obviously the more members we've got, the more representative we can claim to be. And it's only 10 quid a year, and we like to think we provide some useful information, particularly for away games and things like that. So, you know, join us on the 4th, and if you're not a member of the Trust, please join. And I think what's different this time is that fan media outlets such as yourselves have been very supportive. So whatever we might think about what each other does for the rest of the year, some of the names that we've added to our statement as endorsers of the action we are proposing shows just how wide across the fan base this will be getting. Uh, I I did look up your numbers, 12,000, 13,000 followers, something like that?
0: Sounds about right.
2: Yeah. I Fulhamish are up around 20. Now, all right, a lot of those will be common to each other. But, you know, that's a lot more than just our thousand members. So this is reaching an awful lot of people. And we continue to hope that we can use your good services to push out the message, what we're doing, and, and come and join us and see where it takes us.
0: So, Simon, if someone wants to learn more about the Trust, where then they go?
2: We have a website, and you're going to ask me the address, aren't you? So just let me. I I, I
0: did I did look it up just to because I had to remind myself. There, yeah, FulhamSupportersTrust.com. Yeah. There you go.
2: That's it. There's our website, and also the the yellow cards we're having produced for holding up at the Manchester United game will have details on them as to how to join the trust, either through a link or a QR code.
1: Are you looking for volunteers for um, distributing yellow cards on match day? We certainly
2: are looking for volunteers to distribute cards on match day, which will be outside the turnstiles. Um, If you've got anybody who's interested, Danny, if you could let me have their name and contact details, we uh, we will be appointing somebody to oversee the distribution part of the
1: day. If any of you are happy to help out and get involved, feel free to to contact Full and Focus, uh, FF at gmail.com or message us on the socials uh, and we'll happily pass that on to the Full and Support Trust for you. So yeah, if you can help, please, the more the merrier.
0: I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Simon, thank you so much for joining us it's pleasure. A, anytime. It's pleasure to meet you at last as well yep. Yep. Danny yeah I, I see you far too often anyway so th- <laughs> there we go <laughs> yeah. next time we're going to be reviewing the Spurs match and like I said I have a good feeling about this that isn't always a good indicator of how things how things are going to turn out but you never know and we'll be looking forward to the Brighton game as well so thank you so much for listening. Do take care of yourselves. And as always, come on, you whites. Fulham.